Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program and I am in the city of Sheffield in the north of England with a very unusual gentleman. His name is Kinder Kelsey. In fact, that's his short name. Kinder, give us your real full name. Uh, my, my real name, uh, full name is Kinder Pal Jit Singh Kelsey. <laughs> it gets easier just to say Kinder. <laughs> he has an extraordinary background and we're going to find out a little bit more about it. But now he's an evangelist with Church Army here in Sheffield. It was started many years ago by a man called Wilson Carlyle. It's really the evangelical uh, edge of the Church of England. But uh, tell us a little bit about your early life. You were born in London, although you uh, ethnically from an Indian background. Yeah, my, my parents turned up on Christmas Day um, from India um, to, to just work here. There, were, there, was a lot, there was a call for work in the UK. Um, my mum was obviously seven months pregnant. I was then born in the following year. Um, and we were born in Stepney, which is sort of central London, um, and then ended up uh, west London, um, around the Heathrow Airport. So we, 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 and my mum is still there today, um, 50 years on. Now, what is so interesting is that people in London understand what a Cockney is, and you were born as a Cockney, even though you're sort of from an Indian background. Explain to our American listeners what a Cockney is. Uh, a Cockney is there's a particular. It was a particular uh, language. It was it was a particular way of communicating. Uh, a group of people that were born within uh, a particular set of bells called bow bells in the middle of the of the city. As an example, when I came to Sheffield, I remember saying to someone, um, "How are your saucepans?" <laughs> and they were asking me. What do you mean? How are my saucepans? <laughs> I then had to explain that saucepan have lids, and lids is the Cockney for kids. And I was asking them how their children were. So it's easier to say how are your saucepans mm. than just go how are your kids. Um, and it was a, it was a conversation that we would have. I wish I had a better memory because I, I would then remember them a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were certain things that are still sticking. But hence the Cockney means it was a particular language, particular culture particular style in the city centre because D- Dick Van Dyke pretended that he understood <laughs> Cockney I think but uh, he didn't really but that was an interesting area there because um, there were gangsters there called the Cray Twins some people may have known about the, the Cray's film but you, th- th- you then moved to the Ealing West London area which is so extraordinary because I lived there for several years working on the local paper I even helped to launch the Monty Python's Flying Circus TV show and uh, it looks like you have like a Monty Python sense of humour <laughs> but first of all before we talk about the type of evangelism you now do tell us a bit about the Sikh religion and other religions you've been involved with Growing up God was always part of my journey um, and as a Sikh um, there are you can normally tell a Sikh um, by 
what they may wear. So they'll have a turban on the head because when you go into the Sikh temple called the Gudvara, um, you have to have your head covered. So ladies will wear a shawl on their heads and gentlemen will wear turbans. So that when you go and bow to the holy book, you're not obviously putting any, any dust or anything on there, so you protect your head. You, the other thing you may have is a, a, what they call a gara. It's a, uh, around the wrist, you would have a, um, a steel bar uh, for protection. Um, you would carry a sword, a very small sword called a um, garban, and that is for protection. So it was always on the left-hand side if you were right-handed, so it could be pulled out very quickly. Sikhism came out of Hinduism in the sense that Hinduism uh, was many, many gods, many, many different thoughts. And Sikhism was very much about saying there's one God, but actually there were no caste. There was very much about we are all equal, male, female, the lot. So the religion came out of uh, that as well as for fighting in the sense of protecting um, and, yeah, protecting those that haven't. Hospitality was fundamental to Sikhism, so you would feed the poor. So hence you could go to a Gudvara temple and you will have food always available for anyone uh, without cost. The, the big difference, I think, when you said about the caste movement is in India, uh, you're sort of born into a certain caste and some of the castes are, I mean, you know, the Dalits or the untouchables. Yes. Can you just explain the caste system? Um, it's quite it's hard so for example my name is Kelsey um, and obviously Kelsey is what they call a Turkan so a Turkan is uh, fairly top of the caste system and they're carpenters they're, they're sort of builders they're sort of that level and then as you talked about the equivalent of the untouchables they would either clean toilets they would do the, the, the work on different levels so based on your um, where you were born as you said but also based on what you did as a job so you could fit within that culture and you could only marry within you couldn't marry up or down um, hence why it was then cast out to say this isn't how life should be uh, because we are all equal so Sikhism in a way came as a protest did it against yes. the, the caste system very much so um, and about um, and Sikhism obviously believe that you know all journeys go to God but actually their heartbeat is we give to the we give our time money to the poor we give our time to local place we pray we worship and we come in community um which is what i love about being a sikh uh, growing up my family um but there were points i had to ask questions i had friends which were muslim and when i talked to my muslim friends about what was important for them um it was all necessarily ritual but this is what their process and this is what they did when I worked for uh, Tesco um, I, I got involved in the Jewish community and by the way that's a big uh, supermarket over here it, it's sort of like Safeway or um, Albertsons or people like that but you worked at Tesco uh, yes and I met the big Jewish community and they had rules and regulations on what they couldn't couldn't do as a faith um, but I was at a point of asking questions within the Sikh community. I asked my dad. Um, and for us growing up, my dad was a rather Swami, which is another sort of independent religion uh, without going into too much detail. But the heart of it was that you were the best. Your Sikh was your culture. So you were the best Sikh you could be. And likewise, you could be the best Christian, the best Hindu, whatever. But you followed a... A living teacher that taught you about philosophy, life, um, and all of that. 
Um, so we grew up as vegetarians because we couldn't eat meat, we couldn't eat eggs because of reincarnation. Sikhism, all of the faiths, uh, Hindus believe in reincarnation. So if I killed an animal, I would have to come back in my next life as that animal to, to deal with the karma. So hence you were vegetarians and you didn't eat meat um, and couldn't eat eggs because eggs was potential life. So you couldn't eat eggs. So growing up as a vegetarian uh, in UK was hard when a lot of the vegetarian meals in restaurants were sort of a <laughs> cheese salad sandwich <laughs> or it was a lasagna. And, and, and that was about it with no meat in it. Right. So you went, obviously went on to some sort of spiritual search. What eventually drew you to the, the claims of Jesus? I suppose for me... Um, I remember falling in love with Gina, who was an English girl, and we both worked at B&Q. It was it's a big uh, DIY retail store, and I was there for nearly twenty years. That would be like Home Depot. Yes, B&Q <laughs> were yeah. We had depots until we changed our name, but yeah, we, we, we exactly like the depots. And I remember meeting Gina, putting paint out. And we would, and we fell in love putting paint out down the paint <laughs> aisle. But at that point, when I look back, it was what was interesting was the conversation that we had was God. Oh. You know, what do you believe? What do I? Because God was part of my natural conversation. And Gina didn't be, didn't go to church. She didn't have a Christian background. And when we came together to get married, I remember saying to Gina, "Shouldn't you go and find out about your Christian faith, so that we can have a conversation?" She went off to, to look at the Christian faith, got baptised, got co confirmed, and is now a vicar <laughs> running a parish church in Hillsborough, a part of Sheffield. And I think even then, God used me as an evangelist, as a Sikh, because my heart is for people to seek their spiritual journey yeah. and actually work out what their faith means for them. And I was on my own spiritual journey. And for me, it was about asking Dad, you know, when we do these things each week, we go this, we pray, we do this. So what? And, and the more I questioned the whole reincarnation, the purpose, my dad and my family say, no, it's a faith you believe and you follow. But I was still struggling. Gino tried to get me in church for years, wouldn't <laughs> have it. But one day I thought there was a new vicar in town. And I thought, I need to have a chat with him. Because he, he loved physics. I love physics. And I thought, let's meet. And we just hit it off. And I remember sitting him down and saying, can you tell me about uh, reincarnation? Uh, and Rob said, no, Kinder. I can talk about resurrection. <laughs> but I cannot talk about reincarnation. And I said, well, what's resurrection about? And, uh, and then he said, I'll come around my house and we'll have a chat. Um, little did I know there were seven others sitting in the room or 12 <laughs> others and it was a confirmation class but he didn't tell me that and we just had this wonderful weeks well I thought it was wonderful but apparently all the people in the group were really nervous and struggling because I asked all these weird wonderful questions about <laughs> why and what and putting people on you know on, sort of on, the, on the back burner going why, why are we doing this but what the end of it I said to what happens now and he went, well, everyone else is getting baptised. And I went, what does that mean? It means they want to make a statement, a public statement to say they want to know more about Jesus and follow this Jesus bloke. And I was like, well, I want to find out about Jesus. Yeah, let me know who Jesus is. <laughs> yeah, and he was like a bit, okay, great. Next thing, um, confirmation, this, this man with a purple hat 
I found that was Bishop. The Bishop came along and, and he put his hand on my head, sprinkled a bit of water. Uh, and, and I was like, well, so what? But then there was this moment. I remember it as clear. It's now 20 years ago that I stood in this church in Hillingdon and everyone disappeared except for me. And there was just me standing there and all I could see was me standing in God's hand. And, there was, and, and God saying to me, Kinder, you need to understand that I love you. And nothing you can do can love, I can, can you know, get that love anymore than there is now. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow. So all my life I've strived to earn God's love. And it was that moment being told, I love you. Mm. And you cannot strive for any more. And it was at that moment everything came to, you know, came sort of like I was there and I wanted to find out more. And since that day, I think I was, I became the evangelist then because it was, I want to share this love with others Mm. in a way that says there is a God that loves you. Now, I didn't tell my mum, I couldn't tell anybody that I'd become a Christian or at the time. I just had to just continue working and, uh, with this journey. Um, but And my life was transformed from that day. But I was just thankful for the people around me that put up with my questions. You hmm. know, it was weird and wonderful as they were. Um, is it unusual for a Sikh to become a believer, a Christian believer? It is in, it was, um, and even now in my whole family, 20 years on, I'm the only uh, believer but it's obviously South India lots of family there's organisations in, in, in the UK that um, have work with eight Sikhs that have converted and are now believers um, it just so happens that when I came to faith we go camping every year um, 20 years ago and Asians don't camp you know because you can't get a lot of food you can't cook for 50 <laughs> you know, on a campsite but what it was was I, I turned up and it was an affirmation for me because I went to the local shop and there was an Indian Sikh in there who just converted to Christianity. Oh. And I met him and he was like, I've never met anyone before. I said, neither have I. And it was that sense of you need to work out your journey. And he helped me work out mine. I still need to see my mum. I still need to see my family. But at the same time, I need to work out what does my faith mean for me now mm. compared to culture and religion within the Sikh and how do we do the difference? Within the Islamic faith, if you convert to Christianity, that in many countries that can be a very dangerous thing. You can get killed. Is that the same within the Sikh community or are you more of a you know, troublemaker in a way? I mean, it's, it isn't a life and death thing. <laughs> I mean, personally speaking, obviously... Marrying an English girl had its tensions. Mm-hmm. Then changing my faith had its tension. Um, I think it's because it's just cultural. It's what we do. Um, yes, I know uh, in this country where Muslims have converted and lives have been threatened, life is very hard. So when I say to churches, look, oh, it was great to see if we can see the local Muslims converting. I say to churches, just be ready to pick up the aftermath. Be ready to actually sacrificially give to the community because you will have to take on board the people that convert mm-hmm. uh, and come on board and help and deal with the tension because for them it's very clear this is how we work. Whereas the Sikhs are, from what I've from my personal experience is they you know there is a culture because they all believe that all our paths go to god mm. actually why would you need to change because you're gonna you know god's gonna be gracious one day and say come on but come in um but for me you know the christian journey was about 
confirmation. I am, I am, I am loved. I will go to heaven. I will have eternal life, and that's where I stand. Um, but yeah, it 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 was a bit of tension with me, but and now we have a wonderful relationship. So here you are now working with Church Army as. Uh, what is your, your job title? <laughs> uh, I am the lead evangelist for the Sheffield Centre of Mission. So Church Army have centres of mission all around the country. We have teams of people from Church Army, vicars, community groups, volunteers, all working together in an area to try and see lives transformed and see people coming into a relationship with Jesus. I happen to run the Sheffield one. Now my son Andrew works here at Church Army as well and he tells me that you are a quite unusual evangelist. Tell us a little bit of the style that you use. Um, I think um, for me it's the whole of life. Um, one of the things that really got me connected was um, I, as a Sikh I loved the Bollywood scene. I, and Bollywood, if you think about Hollywood, if you think <laughs> about the big movies, the big Hollywood scene, it's exactly the same in India. And they call it Bollywood. <laughs> and so you've got films, music, all coming out. And it's in Mumbai, is it Mumbai, mainly? Mumbai, it's all over now. But yeah, Mumbai yeah. is, Bombay is a big one. But I think that, that, that each film, for example, is three hours long, <laughs> lots and lots of colour, lots and lots of music and dancing. And for me, growing up as a Sikh, what Sikhs love to do is party, and they party well. So uh, we did something called Bangra dancing. There's different kinds of Indian dancing, and Bangra just happens to be one of them, which is upbeat, loud, uh, and very visual. And I remember part of my job, I have to raise £5,000 a year for my job each year. And I think, how can I do this? And I thought, I don't want to miss out on, now that I'm a Christian, why should I miss out on? So I do Bollywood nights. So I have my, my wonderful family have provided outfits. So we have a three course meal. Um, we all get dressed up. Um, and within that, we then I teach Bollywood dancing. Uh, and, then, and then by the end of the night, I then have a pause between the meal and then I share my story. Huh. And it's at that point I ask, actually, what are your questions? Huh. about Christianity, about God, about whatever. And let's have a chat, because that's how I came. So I use that sense of Bollywood, dancing, food, hospitality, in a way of creating a safe space where people, yeah, pay to have a wonderful evening, but then there's an opportunity to talk about faith in the journey. Are there any other unusual ways that you share the good news? <laughs> for me, um, because I'm the uh, evangelist for the city centre of Sheffield, um, I don't have a church, but I do work with seven other churches, and they are from all the denominations, from Methodist, from the Anglican, from the Catholic, the URC, um, right to the Elim Pentecostal. And I hold this space between them that how do we do mission when you've got this many different churches. So um, unity is one of my heart things. Um, so we do three or four things. One is just simple things. At Christmas, we hand out mince pies. Just to say, don't forget, you know, you're loved. Here's a free gift from the churches and come and see us over the Christmas period. Um, at Easter, uh, a 40-foot cross goes up, a steel one because we're in the steel city of Sheffield and we have a sandpit at the bottom and we hand out lolly sticks. So we give out a lolly stick and say, what is your prayer? Um, I don't, and they say things like, oh, I don't believe. But will you pray, will you pray for my mum who's ill or will you pray for someone else? Because I might not be religious, they can put it to us. Um, this year we collected over a thousand prayers 
and we have a service on Palm Sunday where all the churches come so you see the Catholics coming up dressed in all their outfits you've got the Anglicans the Pentecostals and then we worship together outside the cross publicly for the whole of the city centre to see now that, that, that's some of the stuff we do corporately but for me I'm thinking as an evangelist what, what, what can I do and there's two things that we've done one is if we find a new shop in the city centre the first thing I do is make a welcome pack a bit about who I am I'm the chaplain in am I chaplain in the city I'm here to listen for your spiritual needs and I give them a gift here you go welcome to the city a plan of the city any questions it gives me a reason to go back in the shop and say hi I'm kinder I haven't got a collar hmm. so people don't know I'm church so it gives them an opportunity to say oh yeah we trust him we can we can work with him um, and then as time goes on they can come back and talk to me but the beautiful thing about working in the city is I'm a street pastor now a street pastor means that we have an outfit we go out in the city centre between 10 and 4 o'clock in the morning and what's beautiful is we have a bag and in there we have lollipops so the door people the door people that are on the nightclubs we give them lollipops and we chat to them just say we're here just to make sure everything's okay if we see people that are unwell sick need to get home we make sure they get in a taxi and get home um, we've got flip flops which are uh, for the girls with the high heels come 2 o'clock in the morning they're struggling to walk so we <laughs> give them flip flops so they're not walking barefoot um, we have sick bags so we just are God's hands and feet mm. at 2 o'clock in the morning can you explain what Sheffield is like because <clears throat> many people will be living in the Southern California area and uh, you know they live in this pretty glamorous area is, is Sheffield glamorous as well or, or you, you mentioned it was a steel city tell us a little bit about it well Sheffield we've been up here 15 years and we thought London had a few hills in it but Sheffield is built on seven hills <laughs> and um, and you get some fabulous views it's one of the greenest cities in, in, in the country there's something in the UK called purple flag and if you get a purple flag, it classes your city as a safe city and a good nighttime economy. And we've received that for years. So no matter what you hear in the press, it is a safe city. So that's one. Two is um, just some of the language in, in the city. Coming from London to Sheffield, I remember at my youth club saying to, um, saying to one of the mums, where's your child? And uh, the mum saying, oh, he's got a rat fierce on. <laughs> I'm like, what does that even mean? He's got a rat face on. Um, and it was like he was miserable. He was mardy. He was just upset. He didn't want to come out. Yeah. So there's a whole language yeah. that you had to learn. Um, in London, we'd call it an alley, which is down the side of a house. Here they'd say, I'll meet you in the ginnel or the general. So there was something about they have their own little language as well. They are so friendly, the people of Sheffield, yeah. I have to say. Coming from London our first meeting someone said I said where's the local supermarket they said oh well, I'll show you they got in the car and drove us there yeah. and back we couldn't believe it yeah. so the people of Sheffield we have found to be um, uh, humorous down to earth very very honest um, but very helpful have you found any any racial problems you know you've been married to a, a white girl even though she's now a clergy clergy woman I don't know if you say that have you had any problems like that? I think growing up in London, um, 
we had the whole skinheads we had where we had some of my friends shaved their heads we had the whole national front we had the whole tension and the riots so coming to Sheffield I just didn't know how it was going to go and my first area that I was the community evangelist I was the only Asian guy in the whole area and actually in a way it helped me because they'd say hi kinder and I'd go how do you know who I am oh you're that big brown geezer talking about God <laughs> so actually in a way it helped me but there were certain parts of the Sheffield where I go and I think something's not right and it is because I'm the only Asian they just don't know how to deal with it and some of the stuff that comes out it's not necessarily racist it's just that they haven't got the language mm. so when they say to me you know where's your lot from and I say London they say no 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 where you know I'm, I have to think they're not being racist it's just they haven't got the wording or the language because of the yeah. people that they're around um there's some tension I just tend to leave and yeah. move on move on now people listening to this I'm sure will be very inspired how can they pray for you what would be a couple of prayer points um prayer points one is routine of life I'm a full-time uh, evangelist for God my wife is a full-time clergy person and evangelist for God so somehow the important thing for me is one is that my my work-life balance is right so I spend time with my family time with my God how many kids by the way um, I have two beautiful children Josh uh, is 23 and Janicia is 21 very different um, so the four of us just that we have quality time when we can that's always my is always my and keep my feet on the ground mm. that my my walk is God's walk and not my walk I'm building God's kingdom not my own kingdom and very briefly if someone is listening to this who's from a Sikh background what would you t say to them I'd say to them f find out what your faith is about then come and ask a Christian what is important about Jesus find out for yourself why Jesus is important and then from that make your own decision because if you are striving to hopefully one day be with God if you are striving uh, working out what is the purpose of life Jesus is the way that will say I can, I'm in and accepted if people want to know more about Church Army, is there a website? There is Church Army, www.churcharmy.org. Um, Wilson Carlisle Centre in Sheffield is, is a conference centre as well as the hub uh, for where Church Army are. Look us up um, and a lot, a lot of the stuff goes on in Sheffield. Um, it's the centre of the universe, <laughs> like Yorkshire with God's County. <laughs> and finally, give us your full name again. I'll give you uh, my full name is Kinderpal Jit Singh Kelsey, <laughs> and Singh every Sikh has the male has Singh, yeah. and the the women have Kaur. Kaur means princess, and Singh means lion. Yeah. As we go, I think I want to say thank you to my mum. Now my mum's had to put up with a lot of stuff, a lot, and I remember sitting down with my mum, saying to my mum, "Mum, I've sold my house." I'm leaving Sheffield, I'm leaving London to go to Sheffield, I've become a Christian and I'm going to be a vicar that works in the community because she won't know what a church army officer is. And she sat me down and she said, that is beautiful. Oh. And I waited years not to tell her because I was wondering, she'd already taken so much grief off me because yeah. of what I'd done. She said, Kinder, you are working for God. <laughs> what more would a mum want? My mum is now my biggest advocate. 
<laughs> and um, I thank her daily. Yeah. But um, yeah, and there's something about God's blessing, but there's something about your mum and yeah. giving you the blessing, your parents giving you the blessing. And for me, that's biblical. Well, thank you so much for being on the program. Pleasure. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News Service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.